Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Jet Blast. So today we are coming at you a couple of days late because my calendar didn't work and Andy was moving and some other things. But um, Lee and Andy and or, and myself are joined by the one and only Phil Suglia from Duncan Aviation. And we're going to be talking about um, workforce development and kind of what we think that'll look like in this post-COVID era. So Lee, what you got? Or I mean, Andy, sorry. No problem. Yeah, excited to talk to Phil and uh, learn about this stuff. Obviously, um, my brother's an up-and-coming A&P mechanic, and so it's cool to hear, you know, how somebody like, uh, or a company like Duncan is uh, preparing the, the youth of tomorrow to take over. So looking forward to that, and uh, thank everybody for tuning in last week. And uh, yeah, what do you got to say, Lee? Oh, I got all kinds of things to say, Andy. I don't know if we have enough time or if it's really appropriate, but I'll think of something. But now, um, you know, as many know, workforce development is very near and dear to my heart. It's kind of how I got into aviation in the first place and, you know, developing pathways, understanding what it takes. Um, business aviation has always been very unique as there wasn't really a, there wasn't really a path. You know, it's like you got right. your A&P and hoped you knew the right person who was going to get you in the door. And I mean, it's still exactly right. And it's still kind of like that, but there's more and more um, companies, organizations, and associations that are developing. You know, let's let's develop not only an entry an entryway, but also a professional development as they can reach that next place in their career. And Duncan is a great example of that. And you know, very. Very excited to have Phil here because one of the things that Phil's been very active on is the MBAA Maintenance Committee um, Workforce Development Subcommittee. We, we've got to find a way to talk, shorten that. Every time I talk about that, the just names just get longer and longer. But Wait anyway. till you hear about what I'm going to say about what we're doing. It's going to get really long. Oh, great. <laughs> Does it have an acronym? we got to have an acronym, Phil. Kind you know. Of. Oh, cool. Okay. Well, we'll have to do that. But yeah, so no, Phil, super excited you're here. Um, so yeah, why don't you, real quick, why don't you just kind of start us off? Why in, why, why workforce development? I mean, this is, you know, we have different things we do on the committees, but it seems like you've kind of found your niche in your home in the workforce development. So you personally, why is that so important? Yeah, I'll try to keep it concise. So thanks for having me on here. Um, I, you know, one of the things when I, a lot of people don't know about me and, and I started at Duncan over 20 years ago and I actually started here in the, in the line services pumping fuel and going to college during the day. And, and my, my degree is actually in advertising. So I started here, not really interested in aviation, but I stayed here because of people. And mm -hmm. so not just the people at Duncan and as I got more involved in the sales role and going to conventions and meeting others, uh, customers as well. So, and then all, all of you guys, I mean, I've gotten to know you guys over the years as well. So people are what really interest me. And the fact that I started here in line service and ended up where I'm at here today, um, I think that was kind of a cool thing that Duncan does and they promote from within. And I, I love to see other people get some satisfaction and some career progression under their belt. Uh, and, and make a make kind of a, a life out of it and, and not just in terms of getting promoted but but just getting job satisfaction so I think that's what really interests me about the workforce development um, and that's why I focus on it no that's awesome I mean think you know Phil you you said I think what you said is an accurate description of a lot of people, especially in business aviation, general aviation, business aviation, is it is about the people. And I mean, I'd be remiss to not mention, you know, I'm really going to, I haven't seen you guys in forever. And once again, we've had another, 
another event canceled because of our current situation with COVID or whatever. And so once again, not going to be able to see y'all in October. I was really looking forward to that. No base, but, uh, um, no base. but it is that people. And I love the fact that you brought up that it was, you know, that Duncan promote, um, encouraged encouraged your participation with not just internally but also with the community your customers in the industry and i think um i love that i think that yeah so i definitely see why it's part of your passion and now we have you doing stuff for it all the time you know i said i'll send, send out an email or something about the work for what are you doing to, here phil yeah. how about this so our latest and greatest cool thing is and i'll i don't want to get too far off topic here but i am excited it's not about off it. topic. <laughs> i am excited about it so the maintenance committee and 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 then of course the subcommittee is full of a bunch of uh sales and and technical folks and uh well, my degrees in advertising and promotion and things like that, that was, uh, you know, I graduated uh, in 2003. So that's probably an outdated degree at this point. So we were talking about some of the initiatives we've taken on in terms of our strategic plan for 2020. And those are about marketing to counselors and making sure we're getting in front of recruiters right. and those types of things. But what we, what we started reflecting on is the fact that we're a bunch of salespeople and a bunch of technicians. And maybe we are doing the right things and maybe we're not. So uh, I, have a, I have kind of a little, a smaller leadership group. Even though there's about 30 people on the subcommittee, there's about five or six of us that kind of run it. Yeah, that, each, but that's every volunteer thing, right? right? <laughs> yeah, there's we always kinda... a bunch of members and like three that pull on the plow. Yeah. Well, and it's kind of what we did was, as we said, okay, we've got 30 people, but having 30 people on a phone call isn't the way to go. So what we did was, is I've identified five or six folks, which is Jim Huntoon, Laura Scanlon, Brian Maloney. Those folks, we meet every other week and we talk about separate separate pieces of it. So we have a university college section, a military focus, and then a, an early education, middle school, high school focus. Mm -hmm. And each one of them took a chunk of those 30 volunteers and they focus on each one. So as we go through some of these initiatives, we just realized, okay, we probably are doing some pretty good things, but it didn't feel right. So what we've done is now we've put an advisory board together and these are teachers and, and counselors and transition specialists from the military. So we've got about, uh, I think what's going to be about a panel of 10 or 12 that we're going to call our advisory board. That's awesome. And, and we're going to share our strate our strategies and our, our tactics with them and see if it is the right things. And if it's not, uh, we're gonna ask them for their ideas and what we should be doing and how to engage the, uh, the students and, uh, and those folks that are in AMP schools already. Nice. That's, I think that's fantastic. I mean, you know, it's the age old thing, you know, it's what we're doing, connecting with the customer. And if you never ask the customer, right, how will you ever know, right? So, Bill, so I think it's great. I think where you guys are going with it, I think having that board um, is, is just such a smart thing. And, and, you know, it may be something that you guys can even rotate around from time to time and get, you know, some fresh perspective. And, you know, hopefully, I think there's a big opportunity with the military. You know, when I transitioned, I, I went to work for a regional airline because I didn't, I, I didn't know anything about business aviation. I mean, I saw the airplanes from time to time and just thought, huh, that's kind of cool. But I didn't yeah. know what it meant. I remember standing at Abilene Regional Airport <laughs> when I was still active duty, and, and but I was already working for American Eagle. 
And one day looking across and everybody was standing there with their mouths open at this shiny G4 that was sitting over between two uh, tea hangers and all these people um, dressed to the nines getting on and off and getting brand new pickup trucks. It's West Texas. It has to be a truck. And and driving away and thinking, man, that's cool. How do you get over there? You know, and then as Lee said, it was just happenstance, you know, just dumb luck, just tripped into business aviation. And um, so, so I think, you know, if you can find a way to connect with those transitioning military folks, I just, I've always thought that, and I know we've talked about it before, such a big opportunity. Yeah, I, I just really. Yeah, and I love the fact you have Laura in there because, you know, you talk about somebody yeah. who's vested now. Vest, Laura's vested in that military transition with her, with her son. <laughs> but, you know, but one of the things she's been thinking, you know, using like Facebook and some other things where you start to kind of expose them. I remember, I remember the first uh, tracks presentation I did at an A&P school and I'm sitting there and I'm talking about, I'm like, y'all don't understand. You know, there's a 2000 a Falcon 2000 um, EX Easy initial. I've got this. I've got that. And they're I'm just getting like these blank looks. They don't even know yep. what I'm talking about. I'm like, oh, good lord. Okay, so we got in front of the computer. I'm like, this, this, this airplane. This is. I mean, I'm like, this is the cockpit. This is the engines. This is what you're talking about. You get to work on it all. It's not all about the airlines. And you know, I think Phil, I love that. And it's funny you said that about are you reaching out to the customers because I just was reading some a sales. I don't know, a sales post or something. And the very first thing it says, don't just rely on yourself. Ask your customers if you've got the Amen. right message. And I was like, it's so simple. But no, that's great. Yeah. What's your, hey, what's your um, acronym? You told me you had like an acronym or something yeah. for this. No, we call it WD, WFD. And then we haven't put the AB for advisory board on the end of it yet. But we might if you really want to, you really want to push it hard. The dab? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I can't, you know, I stole that idea, right? It's just, Go go and 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 mm -hmm. Honeywell and Rockwell they all do their own dealer advisory boards. Duncan right. has their own customer advisory board. And yes, sure. Nate, you're right. You know we'll we will uh, you know we'll rotate through which we do a couple of year terms on our advisory board. So it was yeah. kind of an easy transition for us, and it made a lot of sense. Well, and I think too, you know, for for these folks um, having a so I will say I've served been fortunate in my career uh, in business aviation. I've served on advisory boards at at um, Gulfstream, um, at GoGo, -Go, at um, uh, Pratt & Whitney, uh, Bombardier, and a couple other places, right? So I, I've been able to get around a little bit. And I will tell you the most disciplined process of any advisory board or committee uh, in the industry that I've gotten to participate in is with Bombardier's customer advisory board. And, and so I know I'm not supposed to, you know, I've always said in these things, I never show an allegiance, but I got to tell you, their process hands down, nobody's got a better parliamentary procedures process. They just stick to it. It's a three-year term. It's, it's, it's no harm, no foul. You know, it's, it's a known thing coming in. You rotate. Um, and, and they have people rotating off at different times so that the committee and the work product doesn't suffer. So, you know, I, and, and it's good for, you know, I would think it'd be good for these counselors and maybe some of these military folks, right, that need bullets for their reviews, right? And so that if they can say that they're participating in something like this and, and contributing, you know, I think it's a win for them as well. So that's pretty cool. Very cool. Um, Phil, what do you think happens uh, now? I mean, so just shifting gears a little bit, what, what do you see in your shops? Uh, I mean, I know you've been in the office like a, a three days since March, but I mean, what are you guys seeing in your shops, people-wise? I mean, are you struggling still? Because 
we were all hurting, right, right. Um, pre-COVID. So where where do you see it now? In terms of staffing, well, you know, we're yeah. fine right now. Obviously, you know, business demand levels have dropped a bit. Uh, sure. Like I like I we were talking about earlier, you know, we do we do still see quite a bit of robust airframe maintenance activity, mm-hmm. uh, and especially those that are really trying to get ahead of it because they feel like they're going to be flying this fall. And we're already seeing the hours pick up. Uh, so we did see a lot of the airframe activity early on, uh, and especially right now in the summertime. Uh, and paint goes along with that quite a bit. I think uh, uh, directors of maintenance have discovered that paint's kind of a maintenance activity. Oh, it is. Uh, paint yeah. is functional, kids. It's right. not aesthetic. You get yeah. me on your appraisal, you're going to find out. <laughs> okay, that's that's another that's another podcast. That's another podcast, Phil, because we that's another podcast. Right. So, okay, let me just stick to the staffing piece. <laughs> just stick and to the so, staffing. Because because we've seen a lot of airframe activity, and this is yeah. something that I talked about on a webinar yesterday with SCAA. This is time for folks to uh, learn a new skill. Yeah. Right. So we've got some of our interior folks that are, you know, have plenty of airplane experience that are helping with panels and and access and things like that. Uh, so we're able to to kind of shift them over into that. And I said also what we've benefited from this whole thing is uh, teamwork. Right. Sure, uh, so yeah. we've gotten folks to cross over quite a bit. And that's really going to be helpful when they actually go back to their home shop. And we have those multi-shop projects in here again. I also said that I think we're going we're gonna to realize a new way of communication. And I think we always yeah. talk about this industry um, of being such a small industry and, and, and the fact that we just love the people in it. But the Zoom calls, I've actually probably have better communication on Zoom calls than my team calls with that and I'll probably continue to use that going forward but in terms of staffing we haven't done a heck of a lot of hiring Uh, we do uh, we do continue to keep people busy we've been lucky not to have to furlough uh, and that's due to our ownership and and our senior management and their direction Uh, but we've we've done a pretty decent job on that and and so we're just trying to kind of stay the course at this point we do feel like there could be a a, a light at the end of the tunnel uh, and then we'll be able to pick hiring back up again so in terms of staffing we do expect to have to hire folks uh, on the back side of this uh, to kind of fill up our hangers again. And, uh, and we don't see this being a long-term thing. Yeah. Kind of a well, short I'm sure that's I'm sure <laughs> that's really long-term. encouraging, right? For, for folks that might be listening to us, all five of them, I, I say that in jest. We do appreciate <laughs> everybody that listens. Yeah, all 5,000. Um, but anyway, <laughs> um, so I, I hope that, that folks that are listening do find, Phil, what you just said reassuring, because I know that you know, um, Andy and his team have been doing some pretty cool things with Find a Job Friday and some other stuff, um, you, you know, and, and uh, I, I can't tell you, of course, Phil would know this as, as, as well as I, the number of new consultants that are all of a sudden entering the marketplace, particularly in the um, uh, coastal regions of Georgia and um, uh, in the uh, um, southern Quebec areas and uh, maybe Connecticut and, and a few other places in Wichita, we're seeing lots of new consultants enter the market and lots of new small businesses start, which is cool. Right. Uh, you know, I, I hope they're all successful, but we have other people who are really just kind of, and I know Andy, you've had some folks reach out where they're kind of at a panic point, right? They don't, they don't know if it's coming back, right? So it's good to hear that you yeah. all see something happening. No doubt. Right. 
there's people I, leaving the industry even, you know? They're yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Well, that was one of your Find a Job Friday guys. He left the industry the other day, didn't he? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And it's, it's too bad, but I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's sad. I mean, some of the people that we were doing, I mean, they were like the one guy from Gulfstream. He had been there for like 25 years. He was yeah. like an upper level guy, you know? And it's like, sure. you send in a resume to Andy to do find a job Friday. You're like, wow, it's just crazy. You know? Yeah. yeah it kind of hits home there. Yep. Well, so we talk about workforce development and one of the things when I think about workforce development is I always think entry level, you know? So, and we've kind of touched that on a little bit is like, you know, what are you doing trying to get into the counselors? And I mean, we're focusing on mm -hmm. maintenance right here, A&Ps, um, you know, that, that, that area. And we focus a lot on that, but you know, I think Andy, what you just said, it's not only the development of the new people, it's what do you do? What do you develop them um, once you get them? Because like one of my favorite quotes is, or one of my favorite little sayings is, what if we train them and they leave? What if you don't and they stay? That's yeah, always right. been my favorite. Hey, and quick shout out, Nathan. Um, today mm -hmm. I was on a uh, call with John John Cosey and mm -hmm. we kind of, you know, talking about history there and he actually, you know, gave gave a shout out to you on the fact that um, preparing for that next step, you know, yeah. what do you do to prepare people for that next step, whether it's internal or external. And so yeah. he um, was very grateful for that leadership when you were there. So a little pat on the back, virtual pat on the back. Well, there for you, Nathan. That's very kind. You know, it was easy for me because I hired people smarter than me, which is extremely easy. You can ask my <laughs> wife of 25 years who's hovering around back here, but anyway. Um, yeah. So it, you're right though. I mean, you know, it's kind of like when you um, get a job offer. Of course, Phil doesn't know this because he's worked his <laughs> whole life at Duncan. But if, if you're working somewhere and you get a job offer to go somewhere else and you go in and you tell your boss, hey, I'm thinking about taking this other job, depending on what your relationship is, right? Or you tender your resignation and all of a sudden they're willing to increase your salary, you uh -huh. know, $20,000, $40,000 a year. Um, and then when you go home and you that reflect happens. on it, you're, um, <laughs> it happened to me. Um, so when I left a certain OEM to uh, go to a certain restaurant company, that very thing happened. And um, um, then, you know, I was all excited until I got back home and I'm sitting there thinking about, uh, wait a minute, I wasn't worth that all Before? this other time. <laughs> you right. know, only, I'm only worth that when I'm going to leave. Panic so mode. it's just kind of interesting. Yeah, it's just kind of interesting. I, I, I think, uh, yeah, there's, I think you've got to invest in your people, right? And, and I think to your point, Lee, if, if we don't, I think that's a good point around workforce development. You know, people get really, really comfortable where they're at. And it may be the only place they've ever been. And maybe there's a long runway in front of them of potential growth. But I think, you know, participating in committees and being part of workforce development um, you know, participate in these advisory boards and different things are just so important because when the unexpected happens and you're trying to figure out what to do next, um, having a network is the only thing that matters. I'm For just sure. going to tell you right now so, For sure. from living it. That, can I ask a matters. question? Yeah. Or, or is that only allowed by the host? No, oh, fine. I guess, Phil, you, can, you raised your hand. You can ask a question. So we talked a lot about when in workforce development and the NBAA, the maintenance committee piece, we talk a lot about what the attractive pieces are to business aviation over commercial and other mm -hmm. industries. 
-hmm. Do you think that that has changed? And what do you think has been maybe added and subtracted mm -hmm. as a dish, as, as attractable pieces of coming to this industry? Mm -hmm. I've got a couple and I will say this. Number one, yeah. uh, just as I've watched over time while you guys think about it, I've got a couple. Uh, one is flexibility. So one of those things, um, and what part of the social distancing thing was, okay, we've got to put some people on some other shifts, which has been nice. The other part of that is we've got some childcare issues with schools closed and daycares closed yeah, and things like that. Sure. So the flexibility piece of coming to business aviation was really one of those strong points. And I think it was highlighted during this whole pandemic thing. And I mm -hmm. think we've got to add that uh, to, uh, to our list of things that are attractive over other industries. I mean, those are the types mm -hmm. of things we can move folks around from shop to shop, from shift to shift to accommodate personal challenges that you come up, that you, that you are faced with, whether it's during a pandemic yeah. or whether it's just normal times. I mean, there's people face things all the time and we get to accommodate that as an industry. I think that was, that was a kind of a neat thing for me. Well, and you know, the other thing about that too, Phil, is it, it, it not only is it the right thing to do for the employer and, and what you all have been able to do moving folks around, but as you point out, um, A&P in the corporate world, stealing from Jim Sparks, who is a former chair of our committee, used to say, truly is all purpose. So being able to move folks around shop to shop, it is an expectation um, by our customers, largely, that yes, we have some specialties in, in shops like yours, but in the field, like your trucks, your satellite shops, you need to be able to do it all. Mm -hmm. And if you ever want to be in sales or leadership or a manager, you're going to have to have some knowledge of all of it to be able to have an intelligent conversation. Mm. Most so sales managers, really most, most of them. Most sales <laughs> managers. And then there's Phil. <laughs> but well, Phil, you, have, you're, you, know, you know a little bit of everything, so it, it works. No, I think, you know, I like um, one of the things, Nathan, that you said that just kind of um, – but I think that's the appeal of business aviation. So to, to hit on two points, Phil, I think the flexibility, you know, you look just um, just at our economy at large right now is the definition of work and how we get done. We're getting, it's kind of gotten away from the eight to five, be at your desk type mentality. And, um, you know, I, I'm hoping that a lot of this flexibility that you were talking about, it, um, it stays because, you know, as we're mm -hmm. looking at, you know, one of the, we look at a lot of um, females in the workplace, you know, if, what are you, you know, you're looking mm -hmm. at that, you know, there's a consider different considerations, you know, if you're, you're a mom or even a dad, whoever it is, I mean, you're looking at childcare, you're looking at what are those things that make it adaptable to what you do. And if you're looking at business aviation, yeah, you know, you can, you can come in and you can do anything and you work on the entire airplane and we're going to work on with you for that um, work-life balance because we know that's important. Right. Right. And, you know, those are things that you, the airlines can't say. I mean, there's too many, even if they wanted to, there's too many constraints right now on how they operate that For they sure. can't, they can't just pivot to that right. formula and, not, and definitely a, not a time. It just doesn't have to do with parents too. It's the new generation's expectation. Is that Absolutely. Right? That you are flexible and you give me the, the goal at what mm -hmm. I need to get done and let me work around my own personal schedule in order to get there. And, right. and we can do that to an extent, right? But, right. 
but we can be flexible. And I think that's an important, uh, important piece to be when we're, when we're talking about recruiting uh, students and people that are graduating from colleges, I think we need to continue to talk about that piece. It's, it's just something that got really, really highlighted through this. And I, I yeah. picked up on it almost immediately. Mm-hmm. No, well, I, think that's a, I think it's a great observation. I think, you know, the other thing that comes to mind, and so one of my answers, and I have a couple now that I've had some time to stew on it as you've been talking. So one of my answers would be is, is choice. Mm. And, and so you have flexibility. I would say mine is, my first one is choice. So, you know, to run these businesses, whether it's a, one of your shops or uh, a flight department or whatever, um, I, I kind of equate people to bricks and mortar, right? Um, you, you need bricks, but you got to have some mortar, right? And so I think in business aviation, you get the choice, right? You get the choice to um, come in and focus on your specialty and maybe branch out and learn a little bit of other areas and other tasks, but you can go back to your specialty and stay there. Um, the other option you have is to go out and learn all these things, right? If, if, if you think about DOMs, you know, some of the ones that, that we all know that are really successful, I mean, they're out really kind of running their own business units, right? They have their own budget, don't really have a P&L. We can argue about that later, but unless you're a charter company, you're just burning money, right? But but there is a value to the company, but it, you know, all these fancy programs. And anyway, the, 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 my point is, those people are the ones who generally have seized the opportunity to go over and learn about finance or go learn about HR, which is a, in thoroughbred aviation, we don't have HR. It's, it's against company policy. You have Melanie. Or ethos. Like yeah. Yeah. I go yell at myself in the mirror. Um, anyway. Um, <laughs> so, so, but, but you, you can dip your toe into all these different things. Right. And, and really expand. Whereas, my friends that work over at UPS right up the road here in Louisville don't really have that luxury, right? They're bound um, by the structure of the enterprise. They're bound by union rules. They're bound by um, several other things where they really can't get out of their, you know, they're going to work on 747s and 767s until UPS doesn't have those airplanes anymore or they retire. That's, uh-huh. that's and, the end game. And, for them, and right? only, and, and, and only a piece okay. of it and only well, a piece but, of the 47. Right. But that can be okay. Right. I mean, I have some very good friends that do like the, the you know, the kind of line, like be gate level maintenance. Right. But it's, it's similar, but different at UPS and that's what they do. That's what they've done for 25 years. They love it. That's all they want to do. And it's okay. But then there's other people, right. Who are a little bit just approach life a little bit differently. They want to, they want to taste it all. They want to sample it all. They want to figure it out. And I think those are the people that we really need to focus on for business aviation. Now, what, what's that test, right? How do you figure that out? Good Lord, I don't know. Figure it out and you'll be a quadzillionaire. But, but I really think um, choice is kind of my word. So, okay. There like you go. That. Yeah. That makes sense. The interesting thing, this isn't really on that topic but it was you know I went and spoke to the Boy Scouts to like the Aviation Explorer group in Toledo and they have a high school set up you know where kids can go from ninth grade to 12th grade and they get their A&P and stuff but like yeah can you come in and talk about what you do at you know Toledo Jet and I was a director of sales and marketing 
And it's like, they don't, they think that, oh yeah, aviation or corporate aviation. Yeah. I gotta be a mechanic or a pilot. Mm, well, yeah. Uh, they're salespeople. Oh really? Yeah. If you're in the finance and you really like airplanes, you can yeah. be a finance person at an That's aviation right. place. Yeah. You know, it's not just limited to those things. It's a normal functioning living business, you know, just like anything else, except you get to walk out in a hangar and see cool stuff, you know? Yeah. Hey, I have that. You don't see my hashtag when I post my jobs. It's not just flying and fixing. Because, <laughs> um, you know, it's schedulers, it's dispatch. It's, yeah, and, you know, I've right. had that conversation. Um, we used to do a, a big career day up at um, DFW Airport. And they would, I think at one point we had like 13,000 um, school kids that would came through from the Dallas, Fort Worth area, North Texas wow. area. Oh my gosh, it was crazy, but it was wonderful. But you know, they're like, now I'm going to be a lawyer. I'm like, do you not understand that aviation is all regulations, which a regulation is a law. So they're right. looking, I mean, I said, you know, well, you know, I'm like, well, what if you were a nurse in a, you know, in a, um, aviation center, like an HEMS program, you know, something mm -hmm. like that, you know, you can tie aviation back to anything and, you know, um, even it's funny that you said that about sales and marketing, Andy, we've started a, well, and then COVID hit. So Rhiannon and I haven't been super busy, but it's in women in corporate aviation, uh, sales and marketing and aviation support, uh, committee. So we can start, um, kind of supporting that area. Cause there's so many areas, yeah. but try, I think flexibility was your word, Phil, was that your word? Flexibility Yes. choices. Nathan was your word. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Andy, do you have a word yet? Uh, no, I'm, uh, let me keep thinking about it. I mean, I'm trying to think of how I would sum up what I, what I talked about. I know my brain is, my brain's going, I think there's a lot about community. So, so That's yeah, kind of so probably one of mine is community. I think community is hugely. I mean, absolutely. I think community is a big one. You know, one of the things I was thinking about, Phil, you were talking about, um, bringing the new people in the new generation is, um, well, the global, the global that, um, 7,500? Is that the one? Yeah. And it's uh, it's now the tip-to-tail eco something, something. I forgot the marketing terms for it. <laughs> but, um, but you know, it's, but it's, but it is, it's the sustainable fuels. It's the, um, you know, what is it, what's your economic footprint? What are you doing? I mean, you start thinking about these things. Um, people are looking at that now. What is, what is your, your, like a social responsibility, um, mm -hmm. environmental responsibility? What are you doing as a company to make the world a better place? And, you know, that is, it's not necessarily the dollars and cents that are making the that are the deciding factors for a lot of people right. entering the workforce. It's quality of life. It's what are you doing as a community in community engagement and how are you attracting those, those different aspects? Right. Right. Yeah. It comes you know, down. To, it's not even about money anymore, really. Like with my people, my age and younger, it's like, you know, like Phil said, it's the lifestyle, it's uh, benefits, it's, uh, you know, time off of work and if they can work remotely and, and like you said, Lee, they want to know, I mean, it's, Luckily, we haven't gotten to that point in aviation where people are like walking out in the middle of their shift like they do at Facebook and stuff like that to protest <laughs> things. But, you know, it's, it's probably coming at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think are different you, industries kind of, a, I mean, attract different types of people and different, sure. um, you know, different, different people, different kind of perspectives. And, you know, the, I don't 
I don't know that that's a whole other conversation there <laughs> goes on. That's a whole bunch of rabbit holes there. But I think that, you know, but I do think we think about that and you think mm -hmm. about where it's going. And when you put it on your LinkedIn page that you work for this organization, are you proud of where you work? Are you proud of what yeah. they stand for and what they represent as a company? Yeah, so I think we started out our conversation today talking about staffing and whether there was a shortage or not, and we don't feel yeah. a shortage right now, right? And But we do still know there's one coming, and it may not be as soon as we had all originally predicted, but what are we doing still today? Because now we've just gotten a little bit more cushion there and why wouldn't we take advantage of this? So the sure. point here is, is, and the call to action is, is what are you doing to get the, the information on business aviation out to your kids' counselors, your kids' teachers, to the kids in their classrooms? What are you doing to give tours to those folks? Well, at the military level, uh, we're developing programs around the GI Bill and that the usage there. We're actually oh, at, awesome. in, in Lincoln, Nebraska. We've got our own school now uh, with, a, with a DME that we've contracted. Uh, and then at the university level, making sure you're getting with the right folks and the recruiters and getting that information mm -hmm. out and the, getting the curriculum um, uh, to a point that kind of directs folks towards business aviation. There's a lot to do still. And yes, why, thank God we got another couple of years or a year <laughs> uh, added to this so we can actually get some of these initiatives out there. But really, a, a committee of 30, is it near enough to get out there? Because I think what what was the shortage that we had predicted at the uh, at 2022? I think there was still, we needed 20,000 techs or something. At it's least. Crazy, right? Yeah, yeah. And so the more a chance I get a platform like this, the more, the more times I'm actually just pushing people. 30 of us aren't going to get this done. And there's going to be a shortage again. And uh, for the health of our industry, for the health of our clients, for the safety of aircraft, we need to get more people involved. We need to get them learning earlier and we need to, uh, to get them um, interested just to begin with. I, I think our, our subcommittee really focused on, we knew there was two things. We need to attract more people and then once we got them, we needed to retain them. So we're still yeah. in this attraction phase at this point right. and we're it, gonna be for a while. But I think Andy brought up something really important or Lee, somebody did a minute ago, Phil, is, is on this retention piece. I think right now, one of the things that we might need to try to figure out how to do is how do we get people to stay in the industry when their job went away, right? When they were at company X for, you know, 20 years, maybe, or even, even two months, it doesn't really matter. And their jobs went away. You know, I, I think when we talk about what are all the good things about business aviation, I think it's also important to recognize what are the things that typically run people off and, and, and how can we hedge that? For, for me, the number one thing that I see and I hear people who leave, you know, when my flight department closed, so we had 10 maintenance people, 30-something pilots, um, four full-time schedulers, I think six full-time flight attendants at the time, uh, line service, a couple other things, right? So it was a pretty big department. Um, all the pilots except for two, uh, well, let me back up. So about four or five of the pilots were eligible for early retirement. Um, all the remaining of them, except two, uh, went other places other than business aviation. Oh. Um, all the maintenance people uh, stayed in business aviation. One works with Lee. All the others are DOM somewhere um, in, in the country. So that's pretty cool. Um, the flight attendants, 
Um, most of them retired and didn't go back to work. A couple are still contracting and the schedulers all but one are doing different things now. So, um, it, you know, I think we've got to figure out, and, and when you ask those people why, and when you ask the guy that Andy was talking about that did find a job Friday, why he left the industry is because of lack of security, right? Every time there's a financial hiccup and we've seen it through several downturns, aviation at, you know, at a fortune, whatever company that doesn't do airplanes for a living seems to be first on the list. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think we've got to figure out how to make people feel like, and lead to your word community. I think we've got to, when we bring these folks in, we've got to continue to explain to them and impress upon them how important it is, not just because it's the right thing to do, but for their own benefit to be engaged in the community. No, I think that's extremely important. But I'm, um, you know, thinking about it, you know, I'm I'm hitting 20 years this September where I ended up accidentally in aviation. You know, I mean, I, this was not, we've talked about that before. It was not a goal. Yeah. It wasn't something I liked. I just in, needed a part-time job at a school and ended up in aviation. But, you know, so you think about it, I think about where I am in my career. You're talking about that mm -hmm. retention and what's next. It's, you know, what are we doing for that continuous development to for make sure. them feel secure if in the case that something happens, you know, mm -hmm. whether it's, you know, whether it's a downturn like we have right now. And, you know, Phil, I think Duncan, Duncan is, does a great job, like you said, of developing their people, but also um, giving them that comfort level to continue that development internally. You know, it's, it's very rarely that you hear somebody leaving Duncan for, well, leaving Duncan, you know, it's just, you don't hear right. that as often. And, you know, there's, a, and there's, and there are companies like that in business aviation, but they're not the ones that get the, the, um, the publicity. You know, there's a lot of that doesn't get the publicity. You get the fact that, you know, some auto manufacturers don't know how to talk about the value of aviation in the last one. And <laughs> next thing you know, flight departments all over the world are closing. Right. Um, so, so, you know, it's like, how do you deal with that? So when, you know, I think workforce development is very important and, um, you know, and Phil, you know, kudos to you, kudos to um, your team on that subcommittee and, you know, as well as your, as well as Duncan, you know, they recognize it internally, you recognize it internally and externally as well that, and it's kick the can down the road, you know, don't get comfortable right now because yeah. don't get comfortable because it's going to be interesting. I've had a couple of clients tell me that we're looking for airplanes before Corona showed up and uh, they're still looking now. And quite honestly, they'll probably always be looking, but anyway, whole nother matter. Um, <laughs> Hopefully they don't any, listen to this. Uh, <laughs> whatever. I'm I'm um, so anyway, they, they, um, you know, the, the, the common theme though, that I've heard even for new entrants into the biz app market has been, you know, well, boy, we're so relieved because our broker or our attorney just told us that there was a personnel shortage in business aviation, and now there's not. I mean, we post, you know, he, this one gentleman said, well, we posted a, um, a job on, I don't know where, but for a, for a pilot, and we got like 70-something resumes, you know, but I, do they know that they're going to be flying a beach jet? I don't know, but anyway, you know. You know what? Beggars can't be choosers right now. Well, In a couple of years, they might be. But is it as bad? You know, this is a question I have for Phil, and, and I knew 
he's been plugged in with um, the association MBAA broader than, than I on this topic. And, and so is it as, have we seen as big of a switch? Sure. People have got laid off. We parked a bunch of planes, but I, I mean, I, I just don't know that we've seen that big of a flood of new candidates enter the space. Right. Yeah. And I, I don't know if I can answer that. I could say this, that, so most of our turnover um, is within the first couple of years now we've done some we've done some uh analyzing of that data mm. uh so you know what i think we're focused on are those folks and really why the why they're leaving and whether it be money or anything else but really most of us that have been here for so long where we've gotten we've made friends we've yeah, yeah. we've we've built a house we've grown a family yeah. in the community we've We've gone to the leadership classes and the NBAA leadership convention, and we've invested in ourselves. And so now, not only are we, uh, it's, it's Duncan ingrained within us, but so is business aviation. And even if we were to leave, I don't think we leave the industry. I tell you this, that anybody beyond that, and I'm going to name drop here because he knows uh, they leave for flight departments. Uh, yeah. And Greg, Greg Hamlink sure. and Steelcase. Oh, yep. and whirlpool and i mean yeah. the list goes on and on and i'm proud of that honestly i'm not really complaining i just wanted to give a you know give a shove to greg but uh i think i think duncan is proud of that that we kind of grow these folks and they get opportunities whether it's within our organization or in the industry itself and and those are what those are what really i think helps bolster the community around a, a business aviation so when we develop programs and we get involved in those types of things i think that everybody needs to do a little bit more of that get your people ingrained in business aviation so Amen. that they there's just it's within the fabric of themselves and they couldn't leave if they tried yeah. they'd be leaving too many friends behind and too many family members yeah. behind and they just couldn't start over that way yeah yeah, that's right. I mean, no, I'm going to use that record. I'm going to use that part in a recording, Phil. That was that was really good. I like oh, we that. We make a trailer out of that. We might have to. No, seriously though. But I no, I appreciate that. I hear you. I you know I think it's uh and 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 I used to have an old director, Phil. One time he said uh, we had hired somebody new at my flight department I was at, and um, um, this this person came in, was all happy, and. Uh, Director looked at him, he goes, so what's the deal with you today? He goes, man, we just closed on our house. He goes, oh, you bought a house here. He goes, yeah, we sure did. He goes, perfect. Another in-debt employee, right? <laughs> <laughs> he was, he right. was joking. Right. It was, it was said in jest, but, but it, was a, it was a funny comment, right? Because to your point, it's just being invested in the community, right? We had a pilot years ago um, that... Um, that was hired um, to fly one of our airplanes and, and like he'd been here like three or four months and, and I'd been out of the country a lot and doing different things. And I had barely even met this gentleman. So I finally was back and, um, and, and part of what we did is similar to what Duncan does. Somebody from leadership repeatedly over a period of time, will go and at least go on break or maybe go to uh, have lunch or, or, or dinner or whatever just spend some time with the new person to figure out what they are, you know, and what, what they would like to do in the future. And so I went to lunch with this guy and, and uh, we're sitting there making small talk. And I'm like, so have you guys found a house yet or any neighborhoods, anything I can answer? And he's like, no, you know, we haven't put our house on the market yet back in, and oddly enough in Michigan. And, and uh, 
yeah, you know, I, we're, we're still looking. We're trying to find the time. And I, I remember, you know, I took him back to the hangar and I had a meeting somewhere downtown I had to go to. And I remember calling my boss and saying, you know, this guy's going to leave. As soon as you guys type him, he's gone. And sure enough, at, because of that individual, we had to have training contracts now. That's a whole nother episode. But anyway, to, to your point, just wasn't invested, right? And they everyone missed that in the interview process. Um, I'm not saying I would have caught it. I'm just saying it was just something that you can miss sometimes. Yeah. So. Subtle things. You yeah. Know. There's, you know, I think, Phil, like for the future, so you've been such a good sport and I want to see where this beard of yours goes for, so we're going to have to have additional podcasts, but, uh, yes. you know, I think focusing a little bit, you know, cause maybe next time we take a little bit more of a tactical approach and it's like how we, how, how do you present it? How are you presenting the value when you're talking mm -hmm. to schools, to, um, prospects, when you're talking to those, um, military transition, you know, they're not, they're not. 19 years old, you know, you're talking nope. about somebody who's probably 30, um, maybe is retiring. So they're close to 40 different points in their life. So maybe kind of take a tactical approach on their next podcast on how, what are the messages that we need to get out and, and how. So, so let me, let's do it after the advisory board, because I, I want to get sure. their input because I think they're going to give us the real pinpointed tactics that we really should be after. I think we feel like we've got some pretty good ones, but I, I'd rather summarize it when we have that, gotten feedback from them. Nope, yeah. that's okay. We got nothing no, but time good. here. We'll yeah. just stick you on the schedule. You let us know when you're available We're again. Good. We'll a stick you back on there. will be a month longer by then. Nice. <laughs> nice. Well, we, Phil, we really appreciate you joining us this evening and, and uh, talking about something. I know you're very passionate about it, and I do sincerely, personally appreciate the work you have done in your leadership with the workforce development um, subcommittee since we rebranded that from training and advanced education um, and made it workforce development. I mean, you, you have really done a good job and I know you've got a great team, but you have really done a good job um, keeping that moving. Um, you know, some of our subcommittees have struggled in the past um, and, and it's clear the ones that are most successful are successful because of good leadership. So we appreciate what you're doing and, and you deserve credit for that. Um, yeah. Andy, any parting words Thanks. for Phil? No, Phil, appreciate you being on taking the time out of your day. I think it's, I think Duncan does a tremendous job at, you know, doing something a lot of other companies just wing it and they just wait until, you know, stuff hits the fan and then they try <laughs> to freak out and figure out what to do. And you guys have just taken such a proactive approach that, I, th I think it's a great thing that you do and you guys have an amazing thing going on. So thanks for joining us. Yeah. I can't take any credit for all, any of it. I just am the one that passes the message, but I do appreciate the words fellas. Yeah. No, no absolutely. Awesome. Phil. Well, thank you all for listening and thanks Phil again for joining us tonight. Um, keep the feedback coming. We've gotten some good feedback. We've had some LinkedIn direct messages to both guests and, and host and, um, We've had some direct emails. We've had uh, a couple text messages with some really good feedback and some suggestions for future episodes. So if, if you have feedback for us, you can leave us a voice message at anchor.fm forward slash jet hyphen blast. Again, it's anchor.fm forward slash jet hyphen blast. So thanks again, Phil. We really appreciate it. Um, we look forward to you coming back and talking to us in a month or two. And uh, we'll get you back in the queue here because I think this is an important conversation. We've still got scholarships and all kinds of things to talk about. So mm -hmm. um, thanks a bunch. Cool.
All right, guys. Good night. Thanks a bunch. I appreciate you. Thanks. See you.